0: Hi, everyone. My name is Abhishek from ShakeTheCosmos.com. My guest today is David Reamer. I met David at UC Berkeley and he helped me craft my story when I was trying to apply for product management roles. David's kind of a big deal. (laughs) David helps entrepreneurs, business professionals, and artists focus their ideas through the power of narrative. In short, he helps people get their story straight. Earlier in his career, David was president of the ad ad agency J. Walter Thompson in San Francisco, held senior marketing roles at two tech startups, and was VP of marketing at Yahoo in its heyday. Today, he teaches innovation methods and storytelling at UC Berkeley Haas School of Business and several Bay Area Accelerators. Go Bears! David also produces theater and serves as chair of the board of the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. He holds a bachelor's from Brown University and MBA from Columbia University. David, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: It's great to be with you, Abhishek.
0: I was telling... you know, We were talking about some of the w- written work you have coming up and a potential book that you're writing about. And it's about startups and how people can uh, have these ideas, but they have difficulties creating a story around them. Um, so, what kind of transpired that idea, and how did you get into, you know, into writing about that?
1: Right. So uh, the the book or the working title for the book is called Startup Story. Um, and it's actually, just to frame it, it's actually uh, a tool for any innovator creating anything new. So it can be a startup, of course. It could, it could be a new product within a company. It could be a new service. Uh, it could be a new program within an organization where you're trying to reinvent the program. Um, anytime where you're creating something new, uh, you actually can use a story to help you create the thing and also to help you get people excited about it. And uh, I'm using this book to help people do that. Um, And it started. Uh, sort of, this goes all the way back. I mean, it goes back to Haas in some ways. I was uh, working with a program at Haas where students went into companies to do a little bit of consulting. Uh, Haas at Work, you might remember it. And uh, I'll never forget, I was at a, a Disney presentation in Burbank, California. And there was a team presenting to the folks, the panelists from Disney, their concept, their new idea, their new innovation. And they had such a hard time communicating it that if you looked in the eyes of the clients, they were sitting there. It was clear they didn't understand the concept at all. Um, And it struck me like, wow, we need to do a much better job of preparing our students uh, to tell stories about what they're working on so that they can explain an innovation clearly and get people you know, compelled and excited by it. Um, And that got me thinking about ways to start to to teach storytelling to business folks. um, And then it evolved to a real specific focus on storytelling for innovators.
0: Totally. I mean, I, I remember um, that I appreciate that example as well and makes me think of uh, my own story with Shake the Cosmos as well. So like, I, went, I created this little booklet. And then I showed up to, with the booklet to the print shop. And the print shop person was like, Oh, so are you an executive coach? And I was like, Oh, okay. So that's, that's what people think I am when I'm presenting these ideas and stories. So I also appreciate how stories can kind of help brand get the message across. So you're controlling your narrative. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. I mean, and it's so important when you're building your narrative to make sure as you're telling the story, you're thinking about, who who's going to use the thing that I'm creating? Um, who's my customer? And then the customer uh, becomes the protagonist in your story, and you build the story from the perspective of the customer, so the customer can see themselves in the story. Uh, and in the work that I do, uh, I try and ground every narrative in the customer, uh, so that uh, you can really make sure you're building something, you're creating something that's useful.
0: I feel like it's it's easy to kind of forget that sometimes that. There is somebody else at the end of, end of it. It's not, the story is not just for myself. It is for someone else.
1: Well, it's one, of the, it's one of the reasons why this discipline, I think, is quite helpful for people. Because when people, if you ask someone to describe the product they're creating or the product they're working on, um, you know, half the time, maybe three quarters of the time, they'll start talking about the product itself. And if they start there, uh, I don't have any context for that. I don't know who's going to use it. I don't know what problem they're trying to solve. I don't know what the motivations of the customer are that they have in mind to help out. Um, And unless I know all of those things, how can I even begin to process or evaluate the product? I need the narrative around the product so that when you finally get to talking about the product itself, I'm like, oh, great. That's solving this problem that you just set up really nicely in the first part of the story. Um, and uh, if you don't have this discipline in your head of, I really need to tell a narrative that includes the customer, um, you're going to end up doing what I just described, starting with the product and your audience is going to like not even know how to assess or evaluate it and certainly won't get emotionally connected to it because there'll be absolutely no reason for them to because they won't know why anybody needs it.
0: I, and I appreciate that so much because I feel like going back to the audience and the, going back to the customer. again um i guess it reminds an entrepreneur like what is really important um at that end at, at that point um, at the same time i guess like how, i feel like the struggle is kind of real um where you know if the product is evolving and then you got to kind of like figure out the story but does it does the story can the story also evolve
1: Absolutely. I mean, one of the, so one of the things that I teach, uh, and this will be in the book uh, to to quite a great extent, is that building a narrative uh, around the product that you're working on can actually help you refine what you're building. In fact, sometimes it gets you to change it dramatically because as you start to think it through, you might start with an idea, you might have some technology that you want to leverage, or you have an idea that you think of something would be useful. um, And you just start, building this thing or working on this thing based on a very loosely thought of premise. But unless you really have that discipline of thinking about, okay, who is exactly needs this idea and why do they need it? Um, and what exact problem am I trying to solve? Unless you've got all that constructed and you also know how people are trying to solve that problem today with existing solutions, right? Your competitors, if you will. Then unless you do all those things, you may find that this product you're creating is not really going to be helpful to anybody. So, if you start that process and then you build a narrative, you can actually go out using that narrative. You can test it on customers and start to see if, in fact, there's a there there. And if there is, then you can keep going on building the product. But if there isn't, you might want to pivot. Let me give you an example. Uh, a fellow Hoss, uh alumni, uh, one of your your Hossie friends, go Bears, um, go Bears, started a company. Um, where they, uh, their ambition was to uh, help come up with almost like for small businesses in a, in, a, in a community, they wanted to come up with sort of a referral process so that if you were trying to buy a service, like you wanted to buy a, uh, have someone do design for your, you know, a menu, if you will, in a small restaurant, you wanted to look, who's a good designer in this community? They wanted some sort of Yelp-like reviews for local services for businesses. Um, and they started out down that path what they found when they started talking to these prospective customers is that what they were most concerned about was not that specific issue, but actually hiring part-time employees locally, local employees. And they felt that the only way to do that today was through something like Craigslist. I mean, it used to be back in the day, it was, uh, you know, ads in the newspaper, classified ads, and now it's they use Craigslist, but they hated Craigslist. And they heard this over and over again. Uh, And they finally decided, you know what, this is the problem we should solve. This problem of helping them hire good quality uh, local part-time employees. A company called LocalWise, um, and uh, it's Ben Hamlin who created this company, and uh, he shifted. He did a pivot uh, once he sort of did that, and he'd sort of built his narrative. He kind of knew what he wanted to do, but when he had that discovery, that insight about his customer, these local businesses, he changed the story.
0: I appreciate that so much. I mean, it makes me think about stories in a different way, not just like presenting and pitching. It's more like there is this discovery process that can start to unleash just through that, uh, as especially for like how it happened for Ben.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a strategic tool. It's really a strategic tool. Um, I, I, I kind of hammer that home uh, as much as I can with folks that that yes, this is incredibly powerful as a tool to get people excited about your idea, to pitch, to to persuade, but it's also really powerful upfront on the strategy end.
0: And I, I mean, I guess, what are without giving away, you know, the your secret sauce here, because I know your your potentially written work is coming out. Like, what might come out to be like some of the key things that when someone thinks about a narrative or story for a new ideas, you know, what are types of things they could be sort of thinking about, just a framework yeah. or Whatever yet yeah. mind
1: a couple of things are super important, and i don't. I don't mind sharing uh things here the people hopefully when the book comes out, they'll want to get it um. The, there's, a, there's one of the things that's most important uh, in building the narrative is obviously picking a customer um, and being having a specific enough segment. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be Abhishek is my customer, but it, it could be, you know, someone who's early in their career, professional, they have an MBA, something a little bit more general uh, who's interested in going into the creative space. And now I've, I've described a segment having a specific segment like that then gives you a launching point where you can really start to understand that segment if your customer is anybody then it's really hard uh, to build a narrative because how do you even know who the customer is and then once you have a specific segment another thing that's super important a, a bit of the secret sauce is not just identifying a functional need but finding an emotional need so one of my favorite stories that i like to tell um, is the story of a woman who um, whose name is Pranoti Nagarkar, who uh, is an expat Indian non-resident Indian living in Singapore, who many years ago came to Berkeley to pitch a business as part of a new business competition, and she she identified this customer as, as a modern Indian uh, woman or man who was in a, a relationship where both parents were working, and. She said, and living outside of India. And she said there was an insight she had. um, The functional insight was that they didn't have time to prepare all the foods that they used to prepare, um, and uh, some of which are really important to their culture. And the emotional insight was because they were unable to do that, um, they started to feel like they were cheating their kids like they weren't giving their kids the same kinds of things that they had to get connected to their culture when they were growing up. She said, when I was a kid, Pranoti said, I'd be in the kitchen with my mom, she'd be baking, she'd be making rotis and the meals, and we'd be talking about the foods and the cultures of our community. And she said, now as an, as, as an adult, I'm not able to do that with my kids because I'm working 10 to 12 hours a day. And, and so is my husband. And she identified that as the problem that she ultimately decided she couldn't solve the whole cultural problem, but she set out to to, to solve the roti problem, and she built a device called the RotiMatic, which has been hugely successful with non-resident Indians um, as a way to easily make rotis, these wonderful flatbreads that are common in many Indian uh, communities. Um, in fact, she said there's 2.3 billion rotis eaten every single day. Um, the point of that story is to illustrate the functional need. I need rotis quickly i it takes 30 to 45 minutes to make a roti um for a family of four for make enough rotis for a family of four i don't have that time i need it quickly but i also need to connect to my culture and i need to assuage some of that guilt that i'm not giving my kids a fair shake to connect to their culture in the way that i did so that's i think the real secret sauce is identifying that emotional insight
0: I really appreciate you sharing that. I mean, and the the roti. I mean, I can personally relate to that, and you know, I've uh, tried and failed many, many times. Uh, So she's definitely onto something there. Um, And you know, this, you know, I'll hone in on sort of the secret sauce a little bit too—the emotional need of the customer. I mean, at least for me, I mean, as I'm doing Shake the Cosmos stuff, I'm still trying to define my own customer segment. At the same time, I love this idea of emotional need. And I'm curious myself and like how how do people I have some ideas, but like how how can someone kinda go about revealing that or understanding that?
1: Yeah so I would say the 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 clue to this one is to um g- connect to your inner 5 year old and and practice being an annoying 5 year old and ask the question why is that and then when the answer is given say why is that and when the next answer is given and why is that as a a 5 year old they'll keep asking why 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 and what happens as you go down that path is that you ultimately get to some magic. Something gets unearthed in that process, um, and it might take a, a while to do that. There's a famous example uh, of um, a major, major packaged goods company that um, did some, some really good work using the strategy of YYY and trying to get to the real core of an issue that uh, created a billion dollar business. Um, it's the story of Huggies. Um, And Huggies, interestingly, um, in all their work about innovation, they'd focused on improving the product's abilities to wick moisture. Uh, We'll come up with better methods and we'll come up with better um, technology so that the the diaper will work better as a diaper to, to wick away moisture. But what they hadn't done is really gotten into the emotional headspace of the parents and they finally did some ethnographic research, meaning they went into people's homes and they started talking to them. Um, and you do this thing at the end of ethnographic research, where as you're packing up and you're sort of starting to walk out the door, you turn around and say, is there anything else? Have I left anything out here? Um, is there anything else you want to tell me? And what they found invariably was people would say, oh God, you know what I hate? And they kind of hold their heads. You know what I hate? I hate it when people say, oh, your kid's still in diapers. And it turns out the people who said that were parents whose kids were potty training. And they were, sadly for them, they were still potty training. And some of their friends' kids of the same age had grown out of the diapers and were into underwear. And what that discovery, what that insight about, I call it the scarlet letter. It was if the diapers had a scarlet letter on them, if you remember that famous old story. Um, The parents needed something for their kids that was not a diaper. They needed something that was more like clothing. Um, And they created Huggies Pull-Ups which became a billion dollar franchise. But the only way they had that discovery, the only way they dis- decided the problem statement was how can I create a diaper that isn't a diaper, right? That's more like clothing. Um, the only way they could get there was if they discovered that insight, which they did by asking why, why, why?
0: I appreciate that. I mean, uh, this this just genuine curiosity um, that's behind that why and just how useful that can be. Um, and, you know, I know you mentioned when we were chatting uh, before the podcast that there is, there is this activity um, of uh, color versus uh, advance. Um, would you be up for... Well, I'm putting myself on the spot here too. <laughs> can, I, can we kind of try that out and see what that, what that would... Uh, what, the, what is it actually maybe for, for people listening?
1: Well, let's first frame why, where that fits in the process. So, so far, everything I've been talking about has been about how you structure a story, right? You know, you need to have a protagonist. You need to identify these functional and emotional insights. You need to identify a problem. You need to solve the problem with your idea. And it needs to, you need to understand how it's better than the competitor's problem, uh, competitor's products. Once you do all of that, you actually have the story that you want to tell. I like to say you can't tell a great story unless you have a great story to tell. So you have to start by building that great sort of architecture for your story, and then you can go off and tell it. Once we get to the telling part, there's lots of techniques we can use to make the telling of the story more compelling. Um, Our goals are going to be, how can we tap into emotion? Because emotion is linked to memory. If I can get you to have an emotional reaction to a story, you're up to, some studies say, 22 times more likely to remember what I said if it tapped into some emotion because the memory sensors and the emotional sensors are connected in the brain. Um, I'm going to want when we're telling the story to give you some techniques so you can make sure there's a logic to the story. You set it up and you pay it off in a way that the audience is nodding their head and say, this makes sense. Um, And you want to make sure your story is understandable through just by being clear and there's some techniques to do that. So those are all the kinds of things we get to in the part of this work where we actually work on telling the story that we've built. Um, And a part of that is wondering about and thinking through how much detail do i provide in a story details are really helpful um, because they put people in a story but at the same time uh details can also somehow get you off track of of moving the story along so that's why we do the color advance exercise so yes let's do color advance and um uh, i'll give you a prompt on how to um uh, how to kick this off. And uh, after we do this, we'll talk about what we
0: learned from it. Sounds good? Sounds great. I appreciate this so much. And, you know, I'm, 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 I don't know what to expect here, but I, I appreciate sh- you sharing this usual tool, useful tool with us.
1: Okay, so this is an improv exercise. So I've, I've learned this through working with people who are improv folks. Um, and in this role, you're going to be the director and I am going to be the storyteller or the writer, the storyteller, really. And what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, I'm going to choose to tell you a story about stories. Um, And while I'm telling you this story, you have one job. And the one job is to say one of two things, either color or advance at different points in me in the telling of the story. If you are interested in a certain moment in the story and you want to hear more about it, you'll say color. You're asking me to add color to that part of the story, more details, more texture. And if you want, if you're like, okay, I'm tired of that already, let's move on. I wanna hear where this is going. You want to get further down the plot, you'll say advance. And then it'll be my job as the storyteller to go to the next part of the story.
0: Totally, I'm on board.
1: You ready director? Yes, sir. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to tell you uh, a story that begins, um, imagine me, uh, if you can't see me, I don't have any hair. At one point I did. So imagine me with more or less a full head of hair in my mid-20s, living in New York City, in an apartment in New York City, and I'm packing up my apartment, uh, which happens to happen a lot in New York because people are constantly moving. I'm in graduate school and a few years out of college, and uh, it's a little more fun than usual because the person who's helping me pack up is a friend of mine, a new friend of mine named Carla she's kind of cute i kind of liked her a little bit and um i thought it would be fun if she helped me with this process so i'm packing up color boxes all around me and um she's kind of bored uh and i p- find this this cassette tape if anyone remembers what a cassette tape is um and i say to her excitedly oh this is this is my college graduation speech let me play it for you and she kind of rolls her eyes and you know what is she going to say no so she says all right so put it in the tape machine." Color. So I take out this old tape machine. We still had those back in the day. I, I put it in the machine, I press play, and the, the the speech begins. And I'm just a few words into the speech or a paragraph maybe. And she says, stop the tape. And I said, Why? She said, just stop the tape. I said, All right. Um and I said, why? And she said, Well, I'm gonna tell you what happens in the rest of your speech. And she color. To, what was that? Color? Color. More color. <laughs> so she proceeds to talk about the speech, and in the speech, I actually told a story. I told a story about uh, being on the college campus at the end of my sort of run at college. I'm writing on a paper, uh, writing a paper, and some of the pages go flying downhill, down to college hill of where I went to school. I go in downtown, I chase, I chase the in papers, advance. and I – I discover a, a bag lady that we used to call a bag lady back in the day, um, which is now we would describe as a homeless person. And uh, the homeless person sort of told me what was up and what real life was like and how it was so different from my little fairy tale in College Hill. And because I told that story, um, it was memorable. And you're wondering, like, how does she know the story? Well, it turns out that Carla has a cousin who was in my class at college and she attended her cousin's college graduation, which was my college graduation. And she actually heard me give the speech. And because I told the story, she remembered it. Great. Advance. You never asked me to advance. I'm going to advance one more time and then we'll be done. So advance. 32 years later, um, we're married 32 years and we have two grown children. Um, and uh, have lived happily ever after, after that amazing discovery that she heard my college graduation speech.
0: Appreciate that so much. Uh, I, I, I was. It's. I guess you're just such a good storyteller. I'm actually just like listening and processing as you're saying these things, and uh, everything is so interesting. <laughs> Um, but one of the things that,
1: that, that is important to think about when you do that exercise, if you ever do that with someone, anyone who's listening to this uh, or watching whoever wants to do this exercise, you learn something really fascinating about it, uh, which is that when you speak to someone or a group of people, there's body language. They respond right now. Abhishek is nodding his head and like he's you know he's not sitting there with a glassy eyed look in his face he's he's listening to what i'm saying he's nodding his head, he's smiling, um, which would suggest that what I'm saying is interesting. If you started to drift off, if you look down at your phone, those would be cues to me as the as the the storyteller I'm losing my audience. I need to move the story forward to the next phase, but if someone's leaning in and looking really interested that that may be where I add color so a good storyteller actually does color advance on their own by watching the audience, getting their reactions, and seeing where to double down and where to move on. There's a, there's a famous moment um, in a speech that uh, President Obama gave in the 2015 State of the Union Address. He did this really clever thing um, that I teach, which is called bringing the customer into the room. Uh, he was giving the speech, and um, rather than just list a bunch of programs that could help Middle class out of the financial crisis, he read a letter from somebody who was actually he put in the audience who was who was someone who written him a letter, um, who gotten retrained. Her husband lost his job after the financial crisis. She got retrained at a community college through some government funded programs, um, and kept the family going until he got his job back several years later. And in telling that story, there was this amazing moment where uh, Obama said uh, they were newlyweds. And when he said they were newlyweds right at the beginning of the story, somebody in in the chamber of Congress started to clap. Somebody else thought that was funny and laughed. And rather than just keep going through it because Obama was paying attention, he just stopped and he tilted his head and smiled a little bit. And because he smiled, then everybody started to laugh. And, of course, behind him is is Joe Biden and John Boehner. And Biden, of course, starts laughing. And Boehner, who's a Republican, is trying very hard not to laugh and show any emotion. But even he started to laugh uh, because it was just a great moment that they all had together. And the only reason they had it is that he knew he needed to just allow that to live. So he was adding color by not saying anything, literally. He was letting that moment live because he was engaging with his audience and listening to his audience.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. And I mean, it makes me also think of, you know, what you were saying earlier about the emotional need uh, of people as well as as I guess Obama was or whoever's storytelling, he's like, "Oh, this is this is interesting to them."
1: Yeah, and when he told that story, he used details. He he said they were newlyweds. Um they had a son named Jack and then later they had another son named Henry. Um he said they were newlyweds and they were young and a love in America. And it doesn't get much better than that. And just that turn of the phrase was just so beautiful and warm that it it really connected with people. You know, I tell the story, I mean, Obama, Obama's an easy one to roll out because he's one of the world's greatest orators. Um, but I tell this uh, story about a time I was actually giving a talk to Haas alumni uh, at an event. And after the event, one of the students, the alumni came up to me and said, um, you know, this really resonates with me because I once cried in a business meeting, and it literally changed the trajectory of my life. I was like, wow, I got to hear that story. His name was Matt Cooper. Uh, He was doing a startup, a biotech startup, and he was pitching. He Actually, he decided, you know what, I'm going to pitch this business to a VC who typically doesn't invest in this space because I'm not expecting, I just want her to give me feedback. She'll be like the the guinea pig and then I'll get feedback from her. Then I'll go on to a venture capitalist to invest in the, in the space that I'm in. So he meets with this woman, never invested in, in the space he's in. And he's just going on and on. And finally, she just stops him and she says, Matt, why are you doing this? Like, why are you really doing this? Why are you taking on this challenge? And then he started to tear up. And the reason he started to tear up is that he said, you know, the day that should have been the best day of my life almost became the worst. And that's how he started the story. And he told the story about how his wife was going into labor. Um, and uh, as they were rolling her in, they started calling for all these drugs and life-saving uh, things. And he was a, he's a scientist, so he actually knew what was going on, Matt did. Um, and it turns out she was suffering from preeclampsia, which is a condition that can infect pregnant women and it can be fatal. Um, and they never detected it early on um, during her care. In fact, her doctor was a Harvard-trained doctor. Um, even she didn't detect that that uh, Matt's wife had preeclampsia. Um, they thought she may not make it through the birth of their son, Zach. Um, it turns out Zach survived, she survived, um, but he went on to work on solving this problem of early detection of preeclampsia and helping women through pregnancy, um, and attacked this problem. But in talking about it, he got so emotional, he started to, to tear up and cry a little bit. And it turns out that woman who had never invested in the space became his first major investor um, for his business because he, he really reached her on a very emotional level. And he conveyed to her how committed he was to solving the problem.
0: I appreciate that so much. And um, I mean, I think... and I mean, And he, and, and he got an investor... As well, uh, out of the out of that. Um,
1: and- well, that was the point, right? When if if your objective is to um, get someone engaged enough so that ultimately they can be an investor, um, you have to make sure first and foremost um, they remember what you talked about, um, and that emotion piece is so important in terms of triggering memory. Um, the The second thing is you have to make sure that there's a logic to it. So he really by telling the story of his wife. Um, who had this experience and who had this great tr- trained uh, you know, OBGYN, wasn't able to detect this condition, really did a great job of defining the problem, then talked about how his technology is solving the problem or would solve the problem. Um, and he was able to sort of build a narrative where he set up the problem and paid it off. That's the logic component. Um, and he did it in, in succinctly and in such a way that it was clear and understandable. So she didn't walk away going, what What, what was he doing again? I can't quite remember. I mean, obviously he described the science um, and that was a big part of the storytelling, uh, but that was the solution once he'd set up the problem. So again, emotion, logic, and clarity. If you can get there as a storyteller, your audience, hopefully, Will not only be able to tell the story to somebody else, but they'll want to tell the story to someone else. And think about how important that is. If you meet anybody who, someone, you might meet someone who you want to, you know, listen to your podcast and 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 use some of your services, Abishek. they have to know why it's useful, and you have to reach them in such a way that they're going to want to tell someone else about it. This investor wanted to go back to the rest of the investors in her in her venture firm and talk about this, was able to, um, and she shared the story. Because that's how stories get passed along, because they're clear enough, they're compelling enough, and they're, they're memorable enough um, that people want to share them with someone else. And that's how movements start. That's how innovations get traction. Um, it's all about People passing the story on because they want to and are able to.
0: I appreciate that so much. This this it's also like a reminder that you know we've we've been telling stories for uh, much longer than we've been using iPhones. You know, like as human beings, it's just been a very long um, period of time. And I appreciate you sharing these techniques um, as well. Um, Any as we're wrapping up here, any last uh sh- uh you know shout outs or any any things you want to mention um for us
1: no i mean uh, only that uh first of all thank you for having me on your show uh, you know, uh, hopefully, startup story will be coming uh, to an audio book or a book, a digital book, or maybe even actually a tangible book uh, near you within the next—I don't know—six to twelve months. And um, it'll be a resource for you. You could also go to davidremer.com. That's R-I-E-M-E-R uh, to learn a little bit more about me and what I do. Um, but mostly, um, I just want to encourage your listeners to uh, embrace storytelling. Uh, learn a little bit about it. Uh, try and, uh, practice it a little bit. It's something it's, it's storytelling is in our DNA. We've literally evolved to become great storytellers. Um, uh, you, you could, there are many books on the evolution of the human species. Sapiens is a great one, uh, to, to look at where it literally talks about how our ability as a species to do something others couldn't do, which is not communicate because other species can communicate, but we could tell stories and narratives and talk about a future world. Uh, All of those things have enabled us to grow and prosper as a species. Um, There's a lot of downsides to the ability to tell stories, too. And that's a whole different podcast. Um, But uh, storytelling is hugely powerful, and it can be extremely useful for anybody who's trying to create something new. Uh, Again, whether it's a a new product, a new company, a new program within your organization. um, Use storytelling, and you'll have a much better chance of building the right thing, and then getting everybody to fall in love with it.
0: Great. Thank you so much, David. really appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to staying in touch. Thanks, Abhishek. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Please hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week.